Um, I gotta say, the dude. Terminator. I, I gotta say, dude. I uh, the day before we fin- we finally finished Avatar two. It took us four days to get through. Um, wow, big difference. How long is that? Man? It's uh, I think it's over three hours. Uh, okay. Or or right at it. Um, I could be wrong, but dude, such a such a difference in story um, mm-hmm. compared to the Terminator. It's almost like it's, too, I mean, they're, they're obviously two different movies, but like, man, um, the Terminator still holds up. Like you want to watch, like you're invested in the characters. Nothing about Avatar 2 For sure. was I invested in. Well, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I saw the first Avatar and I thought it was, pretty stupid and kind of a giant waste, a colossal waste of, of money. Yeah. Um, and it's a very, you know, derivative story. I mean, it's like dances with wolves, Pocahontas, the white savior guy, you know, there's so many bad things in that movie, uh, and, and tropes and things that have been just done before. And it just becomes like eye candy. Right. Uh, and it's all about the special effects and the 3d camera he developed and so on and so forth. And so, yeah, it is a, uh, the stark difference, like the Terminator movie was uh, like a really cheap, I forget what the budget was. It was a super, super small budget, like 6 million, I think around there. 6.4. And, uh, there's hardly, yeah. I mean, and it's before CGI. Uh, they used Stan Winston. Yep. Uh, who is the greatest, uh, you iconic. know, practical effects, iconic monster robots, uh, you know, a- animation, you know, kind of stuff. So that, you know, is really what's driving the movie. And I really appreciate, you know, he worked on The Thing and, uh, you know, countless other other movies um, doing those practical monster effects. So uh, when thinking about, like, The Terminator, I was trying to come up with, other, you know, basically we have a very similar story to Jaws or yes. The Mummy. Dude, or, I was going to say that. Uh, Dude, yeah. I, I watched The Terminator <laughs> and I'm like, this is just like Jaws. This is a horror movie. Yeah, it's basically Jaws. It's like, it's, you know, it's all he does and he will not stop until you are dead. It's he just kills and whatever. Right. So it's basically like Jaws, like it just, it just swims and eats and makes little baby sharks. Like it's the same kind of tag, tagline. Yeah. Um, uh, but, or, or if you go for like one of the older mummy movies where it's like, oh, there's just this creepy thing, humanoid following you, trying to kill you or Jason, uh, you know, guy exactly. with a mass machete. It's just like he's not gonna. He's just gonna kill you, and he's not gonna stop. He's just trying to find you. Um, so yeah, that part has been done before. But I was thinking about all the the. It is one of the first movies that I saw, if not the first, where the idea of you know machines taking over in a practical way, uh, right. not like a fantastical right. way. Like there was this movie uh, Stephen King did where these guys are stuck in a truck stop and the trucks are just circling around. It's like these trucks sort of I think it's like UFOs beam that made the trucks come alive, but right. it's not really plausible. This is a very plausible like world or scenario that's kind of introduced into our pop culture of you know, some advanced AI taking control of like all the computer networks and firing off the nuclear missiles and, you know, to kill all the humans because we're essentially the enemy. Yeah. And, uh, and that sort of entering in pop culture. And I was looking at movies that came out before this and the only, the movie war games had come out the year before. And that's sort of a very similar computer sort of doesn't realize what's reality and what's not reality and is running these kind of simulated war games but then does it tries to do it for real yeah and and it's it's a a a similar idea of armageddon you know computers taking over nuclear missiles and uh, killing humans for different motivations obviously yeah um but there's you have to go i think you have to go way back to this movie i've never seen it. it's called metropolis it's super old yeah but it's uh you know about robots taking over i but I can't speak to that because I've never seen it. But that's a classic we could revisit. Yeah. But other than War Games, I don't think there was any movie like this that deal, dealt with that idea of, you know, machines or AI taking over. And we have a really cool villain. What makes the Terminator different is we're actually like rooting for the Terminator in a lot yeah. of in, in ways. And James Cameron said, like, I'm going to shoot this in a way that's going to make 
you know, Arnold the hero because the really? movie is called The Terminator. Yeah, said that's that? how we convinced. So I don't. This is a story I've seen okay. a bunch of times or different interviews yeah. with both Arnold and James Cameron. Was originally Arnold was approached and wanted to play the hero of the movie because he wanted to be a leading man. Right. Exactly. And O.J. Simpson was actually cast yeah. as one of the people they were looking at to play the Terminator, a murderer. But hmm. it wasn't plausible that it, at the time it wasn't plausible that O.J. would. But could be uh, pictured as a you know blood, as a killer. You know, you could say <laughs> yeah, OJ right. became the the greatest method actor of all time to prove to Hollywood right, that he, he was capable. Right, something, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Arnold was reluctant to take the part of the Terminator. He didn't want to be a bad guy. It doesn't have any lines. Yeah, it's not a very charismatic role. Like you're not showing your range. But Arnold was very when he you know the story is he met with james cameron he's like whoever you get to play the terminator has to really know how to move like a robot not react in emotions like not blink uh and and move in a certain way when he's re reloading the gun he wouldn't be looking at the gun like you know he would and, and arnold gave this really detailed uh you know set of criteria for whoever had to play the terminator and then james cameron says basically you're the best you've got to play the terminator because you're the best person. You understand this more than I do. Right. And if you think about it, yeah. like body, a bodybuilder who, uh, you know, the sport of bodybuilding is all about posing and moving your body and being aware of what your body is doing at all times and having that control over every single muscle. I could see him selling that position. to James Cameron for sure. So that's, that's something, you know, that aspect of him being a bodybuilder and how that really helped him you know, inhabit this role. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of people talk about. So that's something that, uh, you know, my theory of like why he's the perfect person to play this role. Yeah. Uh, and obviously at that time, he's not as an experienced actor and it's kind of easier to, to play like emotionally a robot because yeah. you don't have to do much. You have to say a lot of lines and you can kind of be in this monotone area but it's very important to move like a robot. It's your physicality that's like super important. And uh, so it was like the perfect, it was the perfect role for Arnold Schwarzenegger to play at the time. And it really made, you know, it made Schwarzenegger's career. It made Cameron's career. And Cameron followed this up with Aliens and then Terminator 2. And this was, Terminator was really, I think that he did one other movie before this. And the, he, I think he would, he did Piranha 2. Right. We'll get into that I think for he sure. Got fired from something was like his first, you know, experience directing a movie. And then he might've done some other movie, but this was like his first, you know, big theatrical release if, if that, but it was a, it was a kind of a sleeper hit too. Like it, you know, wasn't, it was a lower budget movie, Yes, but they just got so much out of that budget and the casting is amazing and uh, it works really well. So how old do you think uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was? Have you looked that up? How old was he when he did this movie? I would think he's like in his late twenties, right? No, no. How he old is he in this movie? Was thirty-seven. Really? <laughs> he was born in forty-seven. This came out in eighty-four, so fifty-seven, eighty-seven, seventy-seven. So thirty-eight, <laughs> nine, ten, one, two, three, four, thirty-seven, dude. Interesting. Well, I mean, he had a dude, huge, like a whole career as a bodybuilder before that's, he got into acting. And yeah, this, you know. that, that's what I'm saying. Like, dude, this guy, like his whole career started with this movie pretty much. And then check this. Right. Terminator comes out in 84. Commando 85. Running mm -hmm. Man 87. Predator 87. Mm -hmm. Total Recall 90. Terminator 2 91. True Lies 94. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, dude, he had a run of like a decade where he was just like, just making classics. Yeah, I mean, I think he was the top guy, uh, at least pulling in the most money uh, for, you know, a good number of years, it, as far as I remember. Yeah. And I believe on Terminator 2, they paid him with a like a plane. They gave him like a Learjet or a G5 nice. as like his payment package. Like that was what he was like, I want the plane. You know, uh, Conan the Barbarian actually came out in 82. So that was right, before. Both the Conan movies came out. I had no idea. I had no idea that those were before. Yeah. 
That's funny. Well, they they said I read something about them. He had commitments of you know doing one of the Conan movies while they were filming the Terminator, and that's why a lot of, if not all, of the Terminator is shot at night. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think there's one scene where he goes into that lady's house. Although I will okay. So if there's one glaring error in this movie, okay, it's edited. He does uh, the Terminator does break down the door and shoot one of the Sarah Connors. He does blink when the gun goes off. And I, I saw totally that. Totally would have edited that out. The slow motion blinking. The robot would not blink. Yeah, and there. I mean, there was a way to shoot that to where that wouldn't have been an issue. I mean, you know, it is hard not to blink when you're shooting a gun. Like, I mean, that's I why the Matrix they put that. shades on everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Why wasn't he wearing sunglasses? He had sunglasses in there, you know. So, anyway. yeah. But, uh, yeah, that could have been done a little better. But, you know, if you're not looking for it, you don't really notice it and or you're thinking about it. Right. So. But uh, it is. Yeah. It's an interesting movie because we have like, you know, we are sort of rooting for the, the Terminator. And James Cameron said, oh, we shot this. So, you you know, you'll sort of be like the hero of the movie. And it is called the Terminator. So Arnold said, yeah, we'll take the movie. Uh, Michael Bean, like great role for him. And of course, he followed that up with Aliens, uh, another heroic role. Yeah, um, with James Cameron, uh, you know, uh, Linda Hamilton, great, like tough female character. Awesome. Her you know, really and Sigourney Weaver in Alien. Those two are like right. the best female, like action heroes. For sure. You know? And uh, yeah, you have to deal with that whole plausibility of like, okay, she's a, she's a waitress, but how do we kind of really develop that character within this short period of time to where she's like kicking ass by the end of the movie and make that plausible. Right. And of course we've got like the future prognostication of like, well, you're raised the leader of the resistance like me, you know, and all that. Yeah. But there's a great joke in the movie where Sarah Connor Connor's answering machine picks up and it says, hello, ha, I fooled you. You're talking to a machine. And that plays that message plays again when the Terminator breaks into her apartment and kills her roommate and her roommate's boyfriend. Yeah, like the the, the same message goes off. And of course, later in the movie, Sarah Connor is talking to the Terminator, thinking she's talking to her mother. So, ha! I fooled you. You're talking to a machine. So it's a great little bit of irony and foreshadowing all in one. Yeah, of this uh, voice you know, answering machine, which don't exist anymore. So, right. <laughs> couldn't have that in a movie today. No. Uh, but, you know, no one uses answering machines or even voicemails. So. Yeah. And, th- and then um, another thing but, about Arnold being uh, this, like, you know, the horror, you know, like the, the bad guy in a horror movie. This is the first time that we've seen the bad guy's cock. Oh, yeah. Really? I don't know. I don't remember any cock I've ever seen. I don't think I've only I haven't seen. Cock. I, I lose memory of that very quickly. But no, I, yeah. I, I literally were watching it. And I'm like, hmm, okay. And he's just walking up the street, bare ass naked. Around his dong. And his dong's well, just flopping. I mean, and I'm like, hold on. I looked at Courtney and I'm like, hold on. That was his dick. And she was like, I didn't see it. Or <laughs> I rewound it. <laughs> we watched it and she's like, oh my God. She's like, man, what's swag? I mean, I've probably seen the movie so many times on TV, and they edited that out. Yeah, uh, but I did. Re- I watched it recently. Of course, like I'm, you know, looking for the yeah, little yeah. little details. <laughs> the little details. Uh. <laughs> Don't let them, yeah, little or not so little details. But uh, yeah, Bill um, Bill Paxton is one of the punks that yep. Arnold beats up. Yes, or, you know, give me your clothes. <laughs> yeah, and then also there was another was guy who was also in. Lance uh, Hendricks. Hen- Hendrickson. He's also in Aliens. Bill Paxton's in Aliens. Yeah, both of those went in. Whoa. Hold on one second. Uh, but anyways, right. there was a guy. There was a guy in this movie that was that played the bad guy in Cobra. Do you remember okay, Cobra? That's one I've not seen. Okay, I've so not seen that yeah, one. but but it was like the uh, Sylvester Stallone. Right. Yeah. And. He was, uh, this guy played the bad guy, and he, he was in a bunch of other movies. Um, wait, where, uh, Brian Thompson. In, in Terminator? He was yeah, one of the guys with was... Bill Paxton. Oh, okay. Yep. Gotcha. In that little group, when uh, Arnold walked up with him, uh, walked up to him with his cock out. Right. Uh, <laughs> I remember I recognized the, uh, the guy who plays the police chief that's 
you know, running the interrogation of Sarah, you know, Sarah Connor, like whoever's in charge of that police police station. It was in a bunch of movies playing that same kind of role. Yeah. Um, and, and then of course you've got the psychiatrist who uh, is super, super annoying. Great. Just nails this character. And that guy shows up in the next like three or four Terminator. Like he shows up in like almost all. Of oh, Terminator really? Movies. Wow. He must've had a good yeah. relationship with Cameron. So, uh, huh? Yeah, I mean, he just nails the role, and it's so perfect, and it's such right. a great like juxtaposition. Because he, of course, doesn't believe any of this, this shit, and he's like, "All oh, these people are crazy," and and uh, he's has a very sort of like unserious um, demeanor toward it, towards it. And he's like, of course, being the psychiatrist that thinks so. Every, the explanation to everything is that person's crazy. And uh, what a what an it's like what a fascinating paranoid delusion. It's, Hold on one second. Fire any. Sh- Dude, so sorry about that. My maintenance guy was over. <laughs> ah. So, anyways, um, he was uh, he was in, the psychiatrist played that role, nailed it. Right. Yeah, he shows up in the second movie where Sarah Connor's been institutionalized and he is like running her treatment now at the the insane asylum or institution. And the third movie, he shows up, he's like a hostage, I think he's like a hostage negotiator and he shows up at the the uh, the scene where uh, like they're at the cemetery or something and then he sees, of course, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's now good, yeah. but he's like, the, you know, he's, it, that's the guy that, you know, killed all the police in the police station and then broke into the, <laughs> and you know, a sane asylum in the last movie. He's like, fuck, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, like, sees him. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> great. And that's it. Like, and, but I think, you know, they're, I can't keep all the other, you know, one, two, and three are sort of the, the primary trilogy. And yeah. there's a bunch of spinoffs and there was other sequels. And I can't keep the last Me either. two straight. Right. As far because you know, one Sarah Connor was recast of uh, the girl from Game of Thrones. Can't remember her name. Yep, she's she plays Sarah Connor. I yeah. didn't recognize her when I saw the movie, but yeah. I, I don't think I maybe had seen Game of Thrones at that point. But uh, and then the one that I think Linda Hamilton come came back, and right. they have like the f- female Terminator. It was sort of like a girl power um, movie almost. Yeah, yeah, that's what um, it was. Yeah. So yeah, they they kind of get kind of wonky as as far as continuity and 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 whatnot. And I don't think he is. Oh yeah, and Arnold shows up as like the old Terminator, right? You know, from some other time. You know, it's a different timeline or whatever. Yeah. But I thought the so the third the third movie I thought was really great had a had a great ending where they think they're gonna go, you know, stop the Cyberdyne computer. But they're and break into the you know they go to this Crystal Mountain fortress. Yes. They break into yeah, yeah, and then they realize it's like this 1960s fallout shelter. It has like no technology, and this is like oh well, this is the beginning of like this is where the resistance starts, and right, you know, because it's all low tech, it's it's uh, protected from you know the advanced AI. Right, um, and then the fourth movie where it's like in the future, where it's like Sam Worthington is sort of this quasi Terminator. It's like half you know more like half human, half robot. Yeah, and um, Christian Bale is John Connor, and then Arnold shows up, but it's CGI, it's CGI Arnold. Yeah, but uh, so it works. But yeah. they, you know, they take. It's like, and we meet like the young Kyle Reese, right? And as far as as far as I'm concerned, I think that was kind of the final movie before things start to, me sh- to yeah, go me too. kind of sideways or bonkers or whatever. Yeah. So as far as like keeping like really the story story straight. Oh yeah. Um, but so it did, what, it, you know, the, the movie, the story is very simple, but it did, you know, influence a ton of other, other movies that came out, you know, from, you know, that's what I was going to say. Where, I mean, I think, Blade Runner, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy how stylistic this movie was and how eighties it was. Like I didn't, I didn't realize how much, uh, how much, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but like how much this movie stylistically impacted the way people made movies in the 80s cuz like this like he was he was using like sped up you know uh camera stuff um a lot of the shots a little bit uh, yeah not a, to the extent that was in then the Mad Max movies the Mad Max movies really overdid that I right 
but he kind of toned it down. I mean, he toned it down a lot, but right. there was a definitely a style, like an 80s style, and I didn't realize how much that 80s style came from James Cameron's The Terminator. Yeah, could it could have been for sure. I mean, um, it was 84. I mean, you're you're 4 years into the 80s. Um, right. You know, I think Cobra came out way after that in the 80s. So, um, well, we had a lot of uh, in '86. You know the, the the epic theme song of uh, the Terminator, and you're like do 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 like that. Yeah, great. But a lot of the the kind of action uh, synthesizer uh, background music when Arnold's like you know shooting people and beating up, it's like really bad, uh, kind of very rudimentary like synth uh, music. Yeah, and it, you know go listening to it it's it it doesn't you know the further that you know movies with bigger budgets had like better music but this music was you know not a lot of care was gone to into it i think on some of the, some of these scenes in the action action scenes they weren't like scored it was just kind of like cheap and dirty let's throw some sense stuff in there right but, but uh, like Carpenter, that created that, but that was an, that, that was 80s but he did it so well yeah yeah i mean that was that became well, the 80s vibe yeah. Right. So crazy. Well, you know, man. Carpenter did a lot of that on his his movies, and he recorded all of itself, and he was, like, really good at just doing, like, one or two instruments to, like, set the tone of just, you know, like, having, like, a bass go doot, doot, yeah. doot, doot, or having, you know, just, like, very simple, you know, the thing from Halloween, you know, doo, 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 whatever, you know, that. But, uh, you know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I can do that. That's easy, you know, and then... <laughs> Exactly. It's yeah. It's not. It's hard, it's hard to do it well. Well, simple. Um, but what else can you, um, you know, stylistically from the movie? We still see like when at the very end where we finally see like the the uh, endoskeleton or the you know the metal skeleton and the flesh ripped off. It is that has that like claymation you know stop stop motion effect to it. Like you know they've used in RoboCop. And the thing, and a few other like going back to Clash of the Titans, even when they're using like the claymation and stuff, and it gives it a scarier uh, feel when something is moving in that way. Yeah, even though it's like unnatural, it 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 is it doesn't look fake. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it does give that thing a like a scary, creepy. Uh, vibe to it when when you do it that way and i think when they were making like the the star wars prequels even though yoda was like cgi'd they made it to mimic like the the sort of way the rubber ears would move not that was stop motion but yeah. they they use the cgi to make it look you know more congruous to like the puppet right you know uh so that it would it would seem seem similar and there is that that sort of you know, uh, there. What I'm saying is like there is a there is a quality to doing it like in real life, no matter if that's not you know visually as as accurate. Yeah, uh, it does. It does have this feel to it that uh, you know they almost are trying to like mimic with CGI if they do it right. Exactly. Um, and then even in that club scene where he goes in there, I mean, it's such an '80s vibe. In the club. Yeah. You know? Well, this movie happens, like, around where, you know, we live, so... Yeah. Uh, you know, shot around L.A. and Santa Monica and and those sort of things. It's like, oh, that's, yeah, that seems loud. I don't remember going to a club that had, like, a cage you had to... <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty nasty club. You know? I, I've seen a few other movies that have that, like, live and die in L.A. There's, like, sort of... You know, it's it's more like a cage, and the cashier's like in a cage, and it's it's a seedy underbelly like a prison. You're thing, yeah, and it just makes it seedier and more dangerous. And yeah, you know, when you get patted down to get into a club, like that doesn't make you feel safe. <laughs> no, no, not at all. You're like, you know damn. What I mean? so, but uh, and then the, yeah, the other thing is like, oh, if this security is so good in this club, how did these two guys with weapons get in? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was um, all for nothing. Yeah, um, what was I going to say? Oh, the, as far as the writing, the story, I mean, it's very, very streamlined, very uh, no fluff. You know what I mean? Right. Um, well, I was very I was clear objective. 
what made Kyle Reese such a great hero? And he has this this qual this one quality that I think that that really makes all great heroes, and it's resourcefulness. True, and but I think he is also a virgin. Oh yeah, of course. That's <laughs> and that's why he can't be killed until <laughs> he had sex. And then no, he loses the virgin. No one's ever brought yeah. that up. He he is the virgin uh, scream that's queen. Such an eighties movie cliche. Hey, yeah, he's the scream queen <laughs> in this horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Once he gives it up, he's gone. Everyone knows an movie. Once the virgin loses their virginity, it's over. Dead. Yeah, dude. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah, but like <laughs> I, I actually, but I actually really liked that about his character because he, his whole life pretty much was surviving this apocalyptic scenario. Right. You know, and in an, an apocalyptic scenario, um, you're at war. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, when you know when soldiers, the soldiers are at war constantly. They're not, they're not living the life of a civilian. You know, loving women. Right. You know, seeking pleasure and stuff. It's a hard nosed lifestyle, and especially, I mean, if, yeah, you, sure. if you think I mean, if you think about that, if that happened today, like in an apocalyptic way, I mean, how much? I mean, there's a lot of religious. Uh, symbolism and uh similarity uh between an ai taking over kind of a thing and a lot of uh apocalyptic uh end times uh mythology within religions you know what i mean well, so you would you I, would, I you, would playing, you would think that yeah. the religious people would kind of like really uh i wouldn't say succeed like this is the rapture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Well, not not specifically the rapture. That's an event within right, the right. the apocalypse. But um, Armageddon, like yeah, you know, Armageddon wise. Yeah, you're like you know it, it yeah. kind of like re realigns you with like oh shit like there's some shit out of my control. I've got to get very strict with my with my actions because of these life and death situations. Um, right. So that it made sense for him to be a virgin to me. Right. Well, there's no like flowers, candle, and incense going on in this this world. It's not no. a very pretty, romantic place. And I, he wasn't but, romantic know, at all, dude. I've, he wasn't romantic yeah. at all. Like he, when 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 they were talking and having that conversation, he was like, "I've loved you forever," or something like that. I've always loved you, and it was yeah. such like a, a high school boy moment. For sure. And he's like, like thirty. This, you know, when I saw this movie, you know, as a teenager, like, oh yeah, no, this this does like this tracks. This is this is how things are. Yeah. Um, but I think they did a really. I don't know if do you ever. I, I told you to watch that uh, future uh, future man show. Yeah. Did you ever watch? I saw that? some of it, like the first so, yeah, few episodes. That, they're, they're, that movie, that show, basically is making fun of like every single eighties movie, and, and Terminator yeah. is one of them. So we have the two future soldiers that come back, and they just bang all the time because it's like. Uh, what do they? I forget what they call. It. They have a term for it, but it's like you know, um, morale boosting. Like it's, <laughs> it's morale time, or whatever you know. And it's like we're gonna we're gonna buddy fuck, or, or you know. And it's like something that they they do to help them survive this horrible world that they live in. And it's like that one small thing of pleasure that they have, yeah, yeah. because they live in this just total shit show, horrible, horrible place. It's like. Well, here's, here's, you know, the food, you know, we're eating rats. There's no comforts whatsoever. This is like the only pleasurable thing that exists. And like, why wouldn't we be doing this like all the time? Because right. we're going to die like any minute. Yeah. So I think that, you know, to me right now, that, that tracks way more than this guy that's like a future soldier, you know, that's like a virgin and like, you know. I think people would be like, you know, because there's no, and it's no consequences Fucking, so they'd be doing it like all that's, you know. Well, the only cares how ugly she is. The only consequence how, in a, you know, people are showering. The only consequence right? <laughs> in a post-apocalyptic world would be having a child because of no uh, birth control. Right, but then again, you got to repopulate the planet. So right, all I'm saying so is it would be much harder to protect right. a, a pregnant woman than a For non-pregnant sure. woman. You know, it's like once she's pregnant, that's kind of like what I loved about Apocalypto. Right, you remember okay. the Mel Gibson Apocalypto movie? I've seen it. I don't, I don't remember that that part about it. Pregnant, his pregnant wife is pregnant and getting ready to have okay. a baby, and he gets he gets All like right. 
caught and like put into slavery and he's got to make it back home to make sure his wife gets gives birth or is protected she almost dies like right. trying to protect herself from like i can't remember what else what else but like that's a very uh sensitive time period in a woman's life like if you and if you yeah, think back sure. to that time period you know a woman needed protect, protection for those 9 months in a way that you know we don't even understand now you know Right, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely like more um, of a concern in that kind of environment. And yeah. I was like, joking around with my friend, like we we play Daisy, which is sort of like this zombie apocalypse game, and yeah, and you can kind of role play and stuff, and and you respond in as a woman and a guy. It's like, well, what if they made a version of this game where the object was to like find a player of the opposite sex, like have a kid, like protect the baby while there's fucking zombies all around, like the baby starts crying, like zombies start attacking you, you know. Yeah. Uh, like how that would be like the most difficult game ever made if you were if your job was to like, OK, find find another person to mate with, take care of them while they're pregnant and then raise a kid. I mean, obviously, like these games kind of compress time as far as like right. you need to eat every like hour in this game or something like that or you die. Yeah. So uh, but, you know, it would you know it would obviously happen in like a shorter period of time. But like how much more difficult would that kind of survival zombie game be if like you're trying to like raise a kid <laughs> oh it'd be so crazy it would add another it element for sure i feel like that would be yeah. that'd be like a uh a good thing for like couples who are thinking about having a kid to play together <laughs> you know what <laughs> i mean just to troubleshoot like what yeah, could happen you know? survive, yeah um uh, you know for sure one of the other things about this movie the terminator is it he's coming back from the future of 2029. Right. I'm going to that too. It's six years away, Cody. Six, six years, years, dude. We, it could happen. I can't wait, man. I mean, we're getting close, fast, dude. Man. AI right now? Yeah, man. Well, from what I hear, the, the, um, like the nuclear missiles are safe because the computers that they use are from the 1960s. Perfect. Great. And they're literally still using like, Floppy disks, like the the floppy kind, not the you know. You know the, Are you the serious? Came after the result. They, they still use like the actual, literally floppy, floppy disks to run the missile computers. Supposed, supposedly, I saw some video where they were inside one of these missile missile rooms. Dude, that's wild, uh, man. And so, yeah, you you want to keep the technology to like a like a from going past a certain level because it's way easier to maintain because it's a lot it's a lot simpler so you only make it as sort of advanced as it has to be to do its job like we went to the moon without a calculator so right. like that's crazy you, could, you know it is possible to have you know because we're not in you know in a missile silo you're not really constrained for like space uh, you know the size of the computer can be as big as it but you want it to be you want to be able to like run forever and not have to fix it the parts have to be you know, easily swappable, you know, repairable, and it never break down. So you want to use some like really, you know, back, backwards at this point technology um, so that nothing goes wrong. There's no like malfunction and there's no, you know, that, and if there is, it's like something you can hammer out. Yeah. Jeez, <laughs> or, dude. Know, rather than like dealing with like complicated systems and AIs and stuff that, you know, you have no ability to react near as quick as, as they do so you know if an ai does take over like it's gonna happen like in a in a second yeah <laughs> if it gets to that point and there's just no there would be no time to to react to it yeah it's that like singularity event that a lot you know i think there's even a movie called singularity where that's you know the idea but uh oh. yeah i think this whole like the term the thing the concept is introduced in the terminator is like a very plausible way like ai would would take over yeah and, absolutely yeah. so yeah the other one is that you know matrix the matrix was the other kind of right uh, scenario that was um you know very very you know more unique and imaginative as well but i think basically between those two scenarios um uh, and then the third one i guess is irobot where it's like sort of a benevolent ai that because it wants to take care of us, takes away all of our freedom. Right. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily want to kill us, but it's like these humans can't be trusted and they're self-destructive. So I, I have the AI has to step in as like this, you know, parental 
then right. you can protect the humans, but I'm going to take away the thing they value the most to do that. Right. Because my, that's what my priorities are. Right. Um, and there was a, there was a movie that came out um, kind of recently called I Am Mother, where hmm. it's that same thing. It's like a benevolent AI that's trying to like restart the human race out of, you know, frozen embryos and it just can't get it right. Like every embryo that comes out, is like, it's too rebellious. Like it won't, you know, do what I say. Uh, and so I have to terminate it. <laughs> terminate it. Terminate it. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it's crazy to think about like all these scenarios around AI and they all kind of, they all have their kind of like moments where they kind of like, Oh man, that's very believable. You know, like when you think about the matrix, we had a nuclear war to destroy the AI, which blacked out the sun. And so right. they couldn't use the sun as their, as their energy source. So they harvested yeah. humans for their, for their energy. Right. I feel it's like if you're AI, like there's other energy sources, like there's obviously geothermal energy and nuclear energy. So the yeah. fact that like the robots rely on solar energy, like right. it's because the robot was a solar power calculator originally. So, anyway. yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, I, yeah. yeah, and but I feel like the AI could clear the sky, could clear the clouds out too, right? I mean, if it's right, well, and I and, and and of course, if you really think about it, like human beings, like aren't the most efficient generators of ener of energy as batteries, but you know, that's right. the concept of you know, yeah, you could use any animals, like or yeah. whatever. I'm sure, just methane, like in yeah, <laughs> in Mad Max or something, you know, yeah. So uh, one thing I wanted, but, but you know, making this idea is really cool. One thing I wanted to uh, talk about was Michael Bean. You say it's Bean, right? Yeah, Bean, and how well he played that character. Like he was very uh, stressed. You know what I mean? For sure. Like over the top stressed, and a lot of people have tried to play that character. You know that, you know, super stressed out, trying to save people. Come on. And it just, it's not been as effective as, as him when he played it. You know what I mean? And, and, and they, they did approach that really well because obviously he does have PTSD and he's dealing with this crazy situation that he's in, having to go back in time and adapt to a completely new environment because he's trying to save, uh, save this woman that he loves from an unstoppable killing machine. And without the futuristic weapons that he's had before, so it's a it's a very stressful task. But they do they do kind of address that because there's that whole thing about like oh he has some sort of like spinal disconnect to keep him from feeling pain, and so there is that aspect of like he's numb to a lot of the stuff that like she's freaking out obviously because like this is a complete new paradigm for her of being hunted and killed. But this happened. This is like the, his way of life. So he's almost numb to the fact that like his life is in danger all the time. Right. But obviously also stressed out from the the trauma of it. Yeah. So that that's why the performance is so believable because you have the sort of both trauma and the numbness uh, playing against each other. Yeah. That brings like the balance to the character. Oh yeah. So he's not like not like freaked out, but he's also not like tuned out as well like because right. those are like the two responses that you would have from trauma of like either you just like go crazy you know crazy or you just like just blank out and you tune out and you're like no you know so it's it's like he's in that happy yeah <laughs> but it is cool like the the whole thing of 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 him like John Connor shows him this picture of his mom, of his mom, and it's like, oh my god, this is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. I would love. Yeah. I mean, it's a little far fetched. And then this, you know, did John Connor is like, well, shit, I've got to find some way to get this guy to fall in love with my mom, or else I don't exist. But yeah. I can't tell him like you know, he's my dad. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because he's younger than me. So it's like I'm at, but. Yeah, just imagine that sort of thing. So, okay, I've got to send this guy back in time to fuck my mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's almost like he, you send him, yeah. you send him out. If you find, like, he's got condoms on him, you get poke holes all in him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, dude, I need this thing to work. Got to get this dude done and whatever. Just go yeah. back and fuck my mom for me, okay? <laughs> yeah, you have this, he has this strange conversation with him before he leaves. You know, it's like, you know what? You ever have sex with somebody and you, like, you pull out? 
and you're like, you know what? It just wasn't as magical if I would have just stayed in. You should probably stay in well, next this time. This guy's a virgin too, so yeah. you got to make sure he. And he's like, "Huh? What are you talking about?" For equipment work, right? He's like, <laughs> it's almost like you got to teach your father how to have <laughs> sex <laughs> with your own with your mom. mom. Yeah, your mom. <laughs> Look, Dad, I need you to do this. Like, follow the one, two steps, one, two, three, and then I'll be here. I love you, Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> so then, and he's sending this guy to his death too. Like, he yeah, he knows is. This guy's gonna gonna die. So yeah, it's like, Dad, uh, Dad, it was nice knowing you. So here's a, I'm sending you on a suicide mission, but there is a bonus. You do get to bone this lady. So yeah. yeah, yeah. She's kind of hot, right, Dad? And the fate of the world depends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I was going to so, say. Yeah, and, I mean, there's that great moment where the pit, where um, I guess he's in the bunker, the sewer, and he's looking at the picture, and then the Terminator breaks in, and the picture is like burning in front of his eyes, and it's like, oh, that's the last time he'll see it. Um, and of course, there's that like scene where he describes the scene, you know, seeing the picture, and then of course at the very end of the movie, we see like the little Mexican kid take the Polaroid that yeah. becomes so important. And so it is that, that, that all of great, these, the, all these time, time travel movies, the great moment is like that kind of circle that they create in yeah. time um, that they, that they deal with. And this kind of like, you know, the cause and effect. It's like, it's, it's like, yeah, crazy. It's like, I don't know if you call it time paradox, but Give it's me, like this time circle. Exactly. Give me one second. It's like an infinite circle. The time paradox. Right, the time paradox. Time paradoxes. It's like anytime you go back in time, you create a paradox. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's such a hard thing to uh, navigate, you know. Like any well, story I I was watching, with time travel. Yeah. Well, I was watching this movie with uh, one of the Terminator movies. I think it was the third one. And Arnold is like on a crane, on a truck crane, and the crane is like being dragged through a building. Yeah. And the building, there's like explosions in the building as the crane with the Terminator on it being, you know, drugged through the building. And my friend's like, that's not realistic. Buildings don't explode like that. And I'm like, that's what you have a problem with. <laughs> you don't have a problem with time traveling Terminators with Austrian accents, but the building's exploding. That just totally ruins it. That's where I draw the line, man. <laughs> it's over for me. Where I, draw the line. I walked out I of that roof, movie. I build roofs. <laughs> roofs don't do that. Exactly. <laughs> I build roofs. <laughs> That's but that's my that's that's my theory is like we can we can mess with stuff we've never seen like you don't know what a Terminator looks like or does or anything so or you know any of these movies that deal with something that's like you know sci-fi or fantastic if it's if it's something we've never seen we can't really say call bullshit on that but it's like oh if a you know a gun does you know ricochets off a wall a certain way or you know yeah he shoots too many rounds out of that gun. that gun only holds six bullets and he shot eight bullets out of that I'm out you know or whatever yeah you know or that roof don't blow up like that or so on and so forth it's like if it's something that we you know have experience with that doesn't work like it does in the real world right then it ruins the movie but something that the you know the robot's head spins around a few times we're fine yeah, fine. It's, you know, it's all sure. good yeah <laughs> information to refute that. <laughs> yeah um i wanted to go into linda hamilton playing santa sarah connor she um you know like okay. we said at the very beginning you know her playing sarah connor and then, not only in this one, but in also in the second one, right where she's shredded, right. you know, she got in incredible shape for that movie. Rip. Yeah, uh, and then you know her and Sigourney Weaver, no, yeah, Sigourney Re- Weaver and Alien, yeah. um, right? You know th- those those female roles are like iconic, um, but uh, but yeah, she did such a great job in in this one. Um, of just being being someone that you care for, you know, right. and that that's a hard that's a hard thing to do um, as an actor is just like you show up on the scene and when people look at you, you know, the way that you respond, the audience is like, yeah, I actually care about this person, you know what I mean? Right, and the likability, the charisma. Where yeah, yeah, and and but but with like you know with a female character, it's less about charisma. You know what I mean? 
it's more about right. uh you know um being a um like a genuine uh humble like woman you know what i mean like it it is right. a hard like kind of so you know it, it kind of comes to horror movie tropes you know what i mean right well, in this movie, there's, I mean, in movies, and they have all these tricks when they introduce a character to make them more likable, like petting the cat or petting the dog or whatever you want to call it. Or, and this scene, we, I think it's the scene where she's a waitress yep. and she's dealing with a difficult table and the kid puts a scoop of ice cream in her dress or her apron. Yeah. And um, she's like, her, really? Her reaction to that. Yeah. I mean, if she was an unlikable character, she would just be like, you know, you know, curse him out or retaliate or something. But she's just like, oh, you know, again, you know, yeah. like, okay. But her friend, her friend says a really great line there. That's like, think about it this way in a hundred years or a thousand years, who's going to care? I think she says a hundred years, which the, of course, another ironic statement is like, well, of course, like she's the most important person like alive right now. Right. <laughs> and in a hundred years, it is going to make, well, that ice cream part isn't going to make a difference. Yeah. But that's uh, why the ride, the writing was so good. Of, oh yeah. And, and I think like Cameron Wright wrote pretty much all of his movies. You know, he had, you know, help or uh, collaboration, but, and he also helped write uh, point break, which we also <laughs> reviewed. That's right. So, and I, yeah. So then again, that's why I, I'm like, why is Avatar, like the story in Avatar, so horrible? <laughs> I know. It's, it's so strange to me. Like, it, it really is, man. And, and then, like, not to oh, fucking Avatar, too. I mean, literally, the, the whole story is you saw the first one, right? Mm-hmm. The, the evil Marine, the older guy with the white hair. Right. Right. The scar, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, they had saved his consciousness or whatever and they put it in an avatar. Uh, and so he comes so, now so he comes made. to life as an avatar and he's got a bunch of other marines that their consciousness were, were put into avatar avatars. And then they just go on a uh, a mission to kill uh the Sam Worthington character just cuz they didn't right. kill him in the first one. Right. That's literally the story, dude. And do they have like uh, a catharsis of like, oh, we're not humans anymore and and therefore we should like adapt to this. No. Maybe maybe they maybe they're not the enemy. Maybe we are, you know. They no. don't have that. <laughs> no, the only <laughs> thing is the only thing is um the the bad guy, the marine has a son who was born after him. And so now that mm-hmm. kid is like 15 or 16. And so he he right. like he unites with that kid, but they they don't have a good relationship because he uses the kid to get the avatars. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> dude, it it made anything, it made no like, sense. Here's how this here's how that movie should go down. Like the evil guy gets turned into the avatar and then he's like I still hate these avatars. Uh but then he runs into his son and the son's like, I hate you because you're an avatar. And he's like, but I'm your father. And he's like, yeah, but you're a big blue guy. And then, then he comes with the realization, like, I'm a fucking asshole. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and that, that realization had... And uh, then, then, then the movie ends, cut the credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, like, <laughs> exactly. Robert, you saved us you a know. billion dollars. How did you do this? <laughs> How did you do this? Because you know, I used my brain. Uh, no, no, we've been using ours. Our, you know. Dude, it was... I, yeah, I, I watched it. Dude, I watched... The whole movie, if you watch Avatar 2, the whole time you will be asking yourself, why the hell did they spend a billion dollars on this story? Set aside all the the visual effects. Set aside all the visual effects. I get that shit. But, dude, this could have been an animated movie. You know? Right. Well, here's, here's here's the thing that they always have. They should ask themselves when you're making a movie. Is the story serving the effects or are the effects serving the story? And when the the uh, the story starts serving the effects, that's when you lose me. Yeah. Because what's the what's the point of this? And that's and that's why I, I I don't like Avatar because the story is just a vehicle for us to show off all of this technology and these special effects and stuff. Yeah. Um. 
not the other the the effects don't add to the impact of the story and it, that's what you should be thinking you would think a the you know james cameron one of the world's greatest directors ever like he lost his way somehow with this because he wants to push the boundaries of the technology and the effects. Right. And so it's like, oh, I just need a story that allows me to do, to do that. Right. An excuse to have all these effects. Yeah. And so, but you know what? It makes a shitload of money because most people, that's what they're there for as well. And they, they don't really care about the story. Um, they just want to see the eye candy. I mean, I guess, dude. And I mean, it is re- thing when I see, Go ahead. 3D for I every 3D movie I've ever seen, I do not remember the 3D part yeah. when I remember the movie. Right. Like when I remember every other movie, do I remember it being in 2D? No, it's in 3D in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> like my memory of watching a movie is never me seeing the screen. It's always just seeing the picture. Yeah. And not anything else. Yeah. So maybe other people's brains don't work that way. I don't know. But that's why uh, I never thought the, the, the like 3D or a lot of that stuff like uh, makes you know movie better. Now, yeah. obviously, like special effects have come a long way in it, and and I think the 80s. A lot of people say that is that is the best decade for movies because we hadn't gone too far. Right, the effects have gotten good enough to really serve the story in a great way. Yeah, and of course, there have been a lot of movies since then that they didn't go overboard. Yeah, because they've seen a lot of times when that you know, boop in their face. I mean, so, yeah. And, and these uh, two movies are a great example from the same writer director, you know what I mean? To, to prove that point, you know, I mean, Terminator, they used Stan Winston's, uh, special effects abilities to recreate Arnold's face when he's looking in the mirror and he's having to cut his eyeball out, you know? Um, oh yeah. It's great. And, and then, you know, at the very end when the robot, uh, under the exoskeleton, I guess, or the uh, well, they're calling it an exoskeleton, so we'll run with it. Yeah, it's whatever. Still inside him, but yeah, the robot inside him comes out right. and and you know tries to kill Sarah Connor and and um, that That's was the whole like uh, evil finding its true form. Like, yeah, yeah, and it had only and the special effects were you know good enough to prove what the story's trying to express. You know what I mean? But, right. like, you think about Avatar. I mean, I've always thought these Avatar creatures look animated anyways. Right. You know, it's like, are you, you want to, all right, you've got, you're spending billions of dollars for this technology that makes things look realistic. But yet the creatures that you've designed look like animated creatures in a Pixar movie. Right. Yeah. And, and then, you're going to recreate uh, things that nobody really wants to see recreate. A whale? Sea creatures? It's like, I mean, wh- why not make this like like out in space? Like on, on planets that don't, r- don't look like Earth at all. But like the, the, the Earth or the planet that they're on in Avatar is just kind of like the South American jungle, the Amazon or something like that. Right. It's like what? I mean, everything has in like a science fiction movie. It's all on analog for stuff that we know, and it has to look like relatable, so that we're not completely out of our element. Um, you know. I just feel like there's so, other the, things this, that they this could really. So that this, I would, I mean, go and go and count the number of re- of really the true, truly good James Cameron movies. It's probably ten, and. I'm, I'm, you've probably heard this, but Quentin Tarantino said, I'm going to do 10 films. Because That's right. Like, I've looked at all the great directors, and there's definitely like 10 films that were really good. And then after that, they just didn't have that magic anymore. And I'm pretty sure James Cameron has done did 10 films before he did Avatar. Um, well, let's look at it. And then he went under explored the whole... Yeah, so Piranha? I think that... that Piranha 2. Which, which, which I think he only directed half of that. Yeah. Terminator. Aliens. Right. Terminator. Aliens. The Abyss. Terminator the Abyss, 2. Terminator 2. Terminator 2. True Lies. True Lies. Titanic. And right. then Avatar is 8. 
Is there isn't there has to be more movies between Titanic and Avatar, right? I mean, dude, that's that's what his um that's what his filmography says. Let's see. Well, yeah, I'll see. Here, you know. IMDb. That was on Wikipedia. Uh Well, that's tough cuz it's going to list like all his like writing credits and direct, you know, production. Just, oh, director. Stuff. But uh, 26 um Yeah, dude. That's it, man. Well, let's see. He uh yeah, I mean it's tough to go by that. But uh did he do well, what about Terminator 3? Is that did he do that? One? No. He did Dark Angel, the TV show that was right after Titanic. He did Strange Days, the screenplay to that. Well, I'm not sure if that counts. No. So, you know. It's pretty wild. But maybe it's less than 10. But he's he's done a lot of other stuff because he's not strictly... Uh, he's produced a, a shit ton, a right? Yeah. 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 But I think that, I mean... So... Yeah, he produced anyway. Terminator Dark Fate... Yeah. Executive producer of Cirque du Soleil. What? <laughs> Executive producer of the TV movie The Lost Tomb of Jesus. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, so anyways. Um, very interesting. Executive producer of Point Break, obviously. But uh, but yeah, man. Um, it's just very interesting to see that the... the the stark differences between those two movies, the Terminator and Avatar two. And you're like, that's the same writer, writer even like and director. The, like the Terminator and Titanic. Right. I mean, and of course, you know, you did the Terminator new movies and, and the one aliens movie, you know, it's, it's all, they're very action oriented films and, and Titanic is sort of this, you know, period piece, ro- you know, and romance, very different kind of movie. Yeah. But primarily most of his, or where he, and of course the ones he names out of the park got you know our action movies like true lies really great action comedy oh yeah with arnold schwarzenegger and so like yeah tights like titanic and avatar like you know he, he steals a lot of in in the avatar i saw like some of the spaceships look like the spaceships an alien like so he's kind of borrowing a lot of that which isn't like it doesn't seem right it should you shouldn't have like any sort of resemblance uh, between the world of Avatar and the world of aliens, <laughs> but even even you just said the bad guy with the scar, he cry, crawls in. He has he's in like comes this kind of fighting robot that looks like the robot that Ripley is in to an extent. Yeah. So I think it's like the direct. You get to a point in director where you you just kind of start reusing stuff from previous movies rather than inventing stuff. Yeah. And then that's kind of where you lose you lose your perspective or creativity. Maybe so. Um, yeah. So that could be it, but you know, who, who knows? I who mean, knows? This, this guy goes down and, and like is one of the most accomplished, uh, you know, submariners <laughs> alive today. <laughs> That's true. And that takes a lot of uh, time and energy and stuff as well. So maybe you can't do both. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of the crazy part, right? Yeah. Um, and especially cause if you're, you know, explore the ocean. Like you're like literally putting your life on the line and it's very, you know, and it's very expensive and you're not making a lot of money from that. Um, exactly. So that's got to detract from the time and energy you're putting into directing movies. Mm-hmm. So, well, dude, Maybe, but you know, he's still around. Maybe he'll redeem, redeem himself. <laughs> well, it <laughs> looks to. like, yeah, I mean, it looks like he's got, uh, Avatar 3 in 2025, Avatar 4 in 2029, Avatar 5 in 2031. So maybe after 2031, uh, when he does something different, uh, we'll see. Well, if you look at just like a process, I enjoy the process of making a movie and spending a lot of money and a movie that makes a lot of money and if that's an enjoyable way to, for him to spend his time, he's, he's going to do that. And, you know, and if a lot of people love it, 
that's that's great. If, you know, if movie lovers don't love it, so you know we're in the minority. <laughs> yeah, I think we are, man. I think we are, um, because I mean, it grossed a shit ton, right? It had to have. Yeah, and it's it's just the way the industry has has changed. Uh, you know, we went from D, you know DVDs are no no more. We've gone to streaming. The pandemic killed you know public display of movies. So that's got to come back. So the only reason to make a theatrical theatrical release is we've got to put a lot of money into this and make it as visually stunning as possible. And those yeah. are going to be the predominant movies that we're going to see come out in this in this era on on the screen because there's no you know why would you go see dinner at andre on a screen when you can, whatever my dinner with andre when you can watch that on your tv just as easily and you're gonna get just as much i mean it's you only need to go to theater for like 3d and a big giant spectacle of a movie and yeah. crazy surround sound explosions and things and you know that's that's the only reason to you know go to a theater these days because we do have we have great you know, home theaters, most people do, or, you know, just watching movies on their, their, uh, their iPad, you know, having yeah. avatar type movies kind of a waste for that, for that medium. Yeah. I mean, and it's crazy. Uh, Cause like the budget was, they say between 350 and 460 million, it made <laughs> $2.3 billion. That's crazy. And then when you go to the list of the highest grossing films ever, Avatar 1 is number 1. Avengers Endgame is number 2. Avatar 2 is 3 and then Titanic is 4. Well, you know, I'm I'm a bit of an investor, so I got to say we've done we've looked at some movies. Um we haven't done Mad Max yet, but we looked at the return on investment from Jaws, return on investment from Mad Max, and they made like uh what, 10 maybe 100 times on their return i think like mad max they spent like four million dollars making it and it returned a hundred million dollars so it's like we have returns of like 40x or 100x so if you're spending like 400 million dollars making a movie and you're probably spending 400 million dollars marketing that movie and it's and it's bringing 2.2 million dollars you've only like doubled your money yeah that's not a very good investment and i mean it's still a great investment but get relative to the terminator which uh was that was a six million dollar uh, movie and it made 80 million dollars yeah uh you've made more than 10 times your money yeah um, so and you risk a lot less money so if avatar flops <laughs> you're out of shit money you know yeah. so the the risk and the return is not uh not in the same ballpark as a lot of the other movies that uh we reviewed or going to, to review as far as that you know terms at least in you know we're looking at like jaws and and Mad Max and things of that were like, low, you know, lower budget movies, earlier director movies. And so, you know, you get those like, you know, uh, these blockbusters, there were low, the low budget blockbuster, but that's not what Avatar is. Right. That's uh, almost like we're going to pump as much money as, into this as we can to ensure it's a blockbuster. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the return on investment, it's not as, not as great. The impact is substantially greater <laughs> oh yeah as far as like how many people see it and how much money it pulls in yeah but yeah it's just a, a, a sense of like the um the changing landscape of of movies now that we're gone to streaming and we see a lot more series and and uh and it have changed the format um has changed a lot about the the way it's not only approached from a creative side but like a business the business aspect of movies has changed a lot. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, and, and like, and I was watching this interview with, uh, Matt Damon and he says, well, what's, what's happened is, you know, cause Goodwill hunting, great example. Like the, the studios were like, even if we don't make money or we make a little bit of money at the theater, the DVDs will give us a huge return. Like you're, they were making more off of rentals than the box office. I think at some point, I'm just mm. guessing, or at least the, oh, yeah. the same amount. So it's like, if we, if we net a hundred million at the box office, we're probably going to net 400 million over the next 10 years in DVD. And that will, that will justify us, you know, the budget of the movie. Right. 
but now since everything is kind of you know direct to spending to to streaming it changes all those those dynamics and the way things are licensed like i don't even know how those deals are structured today like we can't even think of like most of these things as like box office returns yeah for most things because they don't really get released or they they do but it's not like it's just kind of a limited theater release and then we're on hbo max or something and go from there so yeah yeah, the whole concept from creativity to format to business is completely changed so but yeah that's why that's why avatar is like such a success it's like what you've got to do these days to get butts and seats and yeah get those grosses (laughs) and he did it all right man long way since terminal long (laughs) way dude well, until next time, dude. We'll uh, we'll do another classic male male All right. m- toxic masculine full of testosterone. Looking forward movie. to it. All right, dude. Oh, yeah!